0: Hello and welcome to Run the Table. I'm your host, Bryce Tinson. We got a great picks episode here for you today. A lot of good games this week in college football. NFL, in a typical NFL fashion, not a lot of good games. It it just seems like they've done a really poor job scheduling um, early in the season. One man wrecking crew again. Kind of feels like this is going to be a common theme. Um for this year. We're gonna start in college football as we always do. We got five common games this week. Um we're gonna jump right into it. So first first we got to talk about last week. Last week was a fantastic week for all of the guys. Everybody went four and two. Really can't get much better than that. The underdog, still not great. Bobby leads with three. I have two. Mike has one point. Nobody hit last week. I don't think anybody hit the week before. Um it's it's been a little bit. The first game we're going to get to, Red River Shootout, number 12, Oklahoma, number four, Texas, in Dallas, in the Cotton Bowl. Does it get any better than this? The answer is no, it does not. Texas laying five in this one. Where to start? Where to start? So first we're going to talk about Bobby and Mike's picks. Bobby went with Texas, of course he did. Mike went with Texas as well. I was a little bit different in the way, and I'll try to explain my thought process here. When this number was at six and a half, I really liked Oklahoma. Able to get that six and a hook. That's a, Those are some key numbers there um, when you talk about football scores. Oklahoma's looked really good in in three out of five of their games this season. The other two, they didn't look dominant, but they looked... Okay, so let me rephrase this. Three of their first five games, they looked dominant. The other two, they looked good. Cincinnati, SMU were the two that that they didn't look great in. Um, Like, like an elite level team, Texas kind of the same, except, you know, they, they, they were able to put the first half behind them and come out in the second half. Whereas against Cincinnati, Oklahoma just could not figure out the red zone. They just struggled to get points when they got inside uh, the Cincinnati territory. With Texas, that was kind of this, kind of how it was um, against Wyoming. And then they broke it open in the fourth quarter, scored twenty-one points, won that game thirty-one to ten. Rice, the first half was a little bit sloppy. But then they have the big wins over Alabama, huge win over Kansas, winning that one 40 to 14. The key to this game, in my opinion, is Dylan Gabriel. Texas's defense has been top five, top ten this year. So is Oklahoma's. I want to give them credit. Um but when you look at the type of offense or who the Oklahoma defense has played, even with Alabama's struggles, even with having to face a backup in Jason Bean and Kansas, I think Texas's defense has been more battle-tested than Oklahoma's. What does Texas' offense r- do really well that Oklahoma also defends really well against? The explosive plays. That Oklahoma defense does, is one of the best teams in the country at limiting those explosive plays. Texas, on the other hand, fantastic at getting them. The problem with Texas is they do not score well when they get into opponent territory. I don't know what it is, but that condensed field, it obviously takes away the moon ball from Quinn Ewers, and he struggles a little bit more in the intermediate passing game to be like a lethal guy to dice up a defense. Oklahoma's really good. Uh, Their their ability to stop teams when they get inside their own 40-yard line is one of the best in the country. So that's an interesting matchup that we'll have to look out for too as well. Does Jatavion Sanders play for Texas? He's questionable right now. He's the tight end uh, who also leads the team. He's he's got the most tight end receiving yards in the country. Uh, last week, I don't he led the team in receiving. I'll check to see if he still does. Xavier Worthy passed him, so Jatavion Sanders did not play last week. It looks like, um, you know, he's going to be key to hit those intermediate routes and really dink and dunk your way down the field and take. You know, take off some of the, um, take off some of you know the responsibility you put on Quinn Ewers. The good thing is Jonathan Brooks has looked elite in the past two weeks of football. He's been fantastic. That offensive line is really good. Uh, I so like I said, didn't love this for Texas at six and a half. I did say I told myself if this if this line got to five. I would take Texas to cover. I think it's going to be a really close game. I do think you're going to see a good amount of points. Does Dylan Gabriel come out and play good football? He's looked really solid this year. They haven't really been able to run the ball effectively. Um, their wide receivers are a little unproven. Adriel Anthony, the transfer from Michigan. Jaleel Farouk, Nick Anderson. Those are some of the guys that you got to look out for. Drake Stoops, uh, son of uh, former coach Bob Stoops, Oklahoma legend. Um I'm going to go with Texas here. I think Xavier Wood, Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington, A.D. Mitchell. If Jatavion Sanders doesn't even play, that's just really tough to defend. They just have athletes that other teams don't. And it's it, if you haven't seen it yet, it's speed that you can't prepare for. And even if the pass game's not working, they'll be able to run it with Jonathan Brooks. I think the defense shores up when it needs to. And I think that Texas gets the points Maybe not all from explosives, but I think they're able to work within the confines of of the red zone a little bit better this week and, and come out with a win. I'm going to go with a final score prediction of 44-38. Like, I really do think it is in that number. Like, that's why at six, six and a half, I was, I was going to take Oklahoma. To me, that key number was five. If it hit five, I was going with Texas. It did. Give me Texas minus five points in Red River Shootout. Next game, number 23, LSU, taking on number 21, Missouri. So, folks, got to be completely transparent with you. This line was at six and a half when we originally put it on the document. We always update the lines right before we pick. This line is now at LSU laying four points on the road. A lot of the money on Mizzou right now. And for good reason. Mike went with Mizzou. Bobby went with Mizzou. I'm going with Mizzou plus the four points at home. Give me the home dog. The reason why. The LSU pass defense is one of the worst in defensive success rate and EPA. They do not defend the pass well at all. It is it is one of the worst in the country. You saw it against Ole Miss. You saw it against Arkansas. You saw it against Florida State. Literally every single step of the way, that pass defense has failed them. What does Missouri do really well? Throw the football. I talked about it on our show on Tuesday. Brady Cook, Luther Burden. Those are the only names that you need to know. I, I went through the stats already. Can LSU limit what those two are able to do? Because if you make Theo Weiss beat you, who's only gone for you know, 24 catches and 254 yards this year, you'll have a, a much higher chance of winning. But if you let Luther Burden destroy you, like he has so far this season, there's really no shot. And the thing that Eli Drinkwitz and this offense has done to put Luther Burden in situations where he can win, is put him in the slot. So they did with Dominic Lovett last year and why he was the leading receiver in the SEC. He's at Georgia now, if you didn't know. Um, I like Missouri in this game just to win outright. I think this team is much better. I don't want to say much better. I think this seems better coached than LSU right now. I think that defense will be able to get stops on Jaden Daniels and that offense. And yes, Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas have been out of this world um, so far this season. You take out week one. That offense has been phenomenal. A lot of that is because Jaden Daniels has thrown absolute seeds uh, so far this season. Like, some of the passes he had in the Ole Miss game was like, that's an NFL level throw. That's an NFL level. Oh, he just did it again. And I know the Ole Miss pass defense isn't, you know, something you write home about, but like, this was tight coverage and he was putting the ball on the money. I don't quite like this spot here for LSU. Coming off of a road loss, having to go to Columbia, it's a noon game, I guess, 11 local and this Mizzou team has played well above expectations. They got a little moxie to them, got a little fire to them. I like the Tigers here from Missouri to get the quote-unquote upset win, even though they are the higher-ranked team. That one's going to be a really fun one. The noon slate is pretty solid. You also got Maryland-Ohio State. We did not pick that game. 20 points felt like a lot, right? Um, so, So we didn't pick that one, but that is also in the noon slate. That's a good one. The one I think everybody is most excited for this weekend, and and for good reason. Number 11, Alabama, traveling to College Station to take on the unranked Texas A&M Aggies, but are 4-1 on the season. That lone loss coming to Miami in Miami, Alabama. A one-point favorite on the road. Uh, Honestly, this is one of the games that you circle on the calendar preseason because of the implications. Right now, both teams do not have a loss in conference. The winner of this game could very well come out of the West, and I, I for one, am very excited to watch this game. The unfortunate thing is that the Ohio Bobcats play at 3.30 as well, so I will not be tuned in live. I, however, on Sunday morning will be watching the extended highlights of that game and, and, and getting everything I can. Enough of the jibber jabber. Let's get into the actual picks. Mike going with a- A&M. Bobby going with AM. And of course, I'm on the train. Give me the Texas AM Aggies to win this game outright. Obviously, they have to. They're a one point dog. So, why do I like Texas AM with the backup quarterback? Max Johnson has been here before, he's played in these kind of games. And he looks good last week in relief of Connor Wegman after he had the season-ending injury. I actually really liked how he threw the ball, how he spun it a little bit. And it helps when you have some elite, and when I say elite, I mean elite wide receiver talent. Moose Muhammad hasn't played a ton this season, but he's a guy you have to look out for. He was getting NFL draft buzz preseason, so watch out for him. He's been a little banged up this year. And obviously, you got to talk about Anaya Smith and Evan Stewart, the two true sophomores. Evan Stewart, twenty-four catches, three hundred fifty-seven yards, four touchdowns. Anaya Smith, twenty-two catches, three hundred forty-three yards. He hasn't put the ball in the end zone yet, um, but watch out because he he's he very capable of it. Also, have to look out for Noah Thomas. Once you get into the red zone, eleven catches, four of them for touchdowns. This offense is a little bit sneakier than people give them credit for. The defense, on the other hand. Outside of the outside of the um, Miami game, where they were putting a lot of bad spots, give up forty eight points. This defense has been legit. That front that front four specifically is elite. And if you're if you're Alabama, you've struggled against Texas. You've really str- you really you against USF. That offensive line hasn't looked good. Even Ole Miss gave him some fits. That Texas A and M defensive line is going to maul. The Alabama offensive line, and I do think that the tough thing with this matchup for Alabama is that Texas A&M defends the run really well. Alabama can't throw the football. Last week they only threw it, I think, seven times because Jalen Milrow is not a drop back quarterback. Interesting, interesting thing that that we need to watch as as we get to Saturday though. Jalen Miller might have a little bit of a hamstring issue. So if he's plagued at all by the hamstring and it takes away his running ability, Texas AM could run away with this one. Now I'm not going to pick them to run away. I think it's going to be close, a little bit of a lower scoring game. I just don't think Alabama can keep up with Texas AM throughout all 60 minutes of the game. Yes, that defense of Alabama is is a solid defense. It might not be, you know, some of the elite level defenses that they've had, but it's still a good defense. Let's not, you know, let's not, not give them their credit. The problem is, I think the Texas a defense versus the Alabama offense, I think there's too big of a gap there for Alabama to overcome. And it kind of feels weird, you know, that Alabama's kind of e- even in this spot, right? It, it almost feels like this is like, and maybe not a passing of the torch, but like the end of an era. You know, they, they lost to Texas, which I predicted to happen before the season started. But I didn't predict this. This would be, this would shock me. But I'm picking it to happen now. Because I have all I have the five games of of data to look at and be like, okay, here's where this team's good, here's where this team's bad. Give me Texas A&M to win this game outright. I'm going to pick them to win 23 to 14. I think it's a nine point victory. I just, you know what? I, not 14. Let's go 15. Uh, that feels like an Alabama number this season. They kick a lot of field goals. They are not. They kind of have the same issue as Texas. They don't do well in the red zone. Don't really convert on a ton of. Uh, they don't convert a ton of touchdowns once they get into that area. A lot of field goals. Next game, who doggy? This one. This one has the potential. This one has the potential. Number twenty, Kentucky, coming off of a huge win against Florida. I believe that was final score was forty-four to thirteen, taking on the number one ranked Georgia Bulldogs. A week after, they almost lost to Auburn in Auburn. The number on this one, 14 and a hook for the Georgia Bulldogs at home. Okay, so Bobby's going with Georgia. Mike's going with Kentucky. We finally changed it up. I know. Crazy. What am I going to do? I do not know because I got some PTSD, and here's why. The last time this game happened in Athens, Will Levi's and that Kentucky team were, I think, the 19th-ranked team in the country. They were up there. They were they were a top 25 team they were taking on. I think at that point, Georgia was, num- they were either number one or number two. I don't remember exactly what the number was. I think it was 17, 16 and a half, something like that. And wouldn't you know it, literally with, I think, 10 seconds, 12 seconds left, Kentucky need like just felt like they needed to get the ball in the end zone. They hit a backdoor cover. And I, I have PTSD from that game. Uh, I thought for sure Georgia was going to win. And I think that that Game kept me from going either five zero and one or I think it was five and one something like that. I, I had a really good week that week, and it was like that game was the, was the one that was like I needed that one. I needed that one to go my way to have a, you know of a, a great week. But I'm going to try to take all of that and take all of that out and just focus on the matchup. What do we have here? We have a team in Kentucky that showed last week against Florida that they're dominant running the football. Hadn't really showed it up until this point, but now Ray Davis is a household name. So he had about 206 yards rushing last week. Before that, he had a tad over... eh, He was a little under 400. He's averaging 7.8 a carry, has eight touchdowns on the season. This Kentucky, Kentucky team can run the football. The problem with this Kentucky team is that your transfer quarterback that you thought you could rely on has not been very good. Devin Leary threw five games this season. 1,100 yards, 57.5% completion percentage. And I know you don't want to take that as a raw number. You'd like to see the completion percentage overexpected. But like that's not a great number to start with. 10 touchdowns to 5 interceptions. That's a 2-to-1 interception ratio. And that doesn't even count how many fumbles he has. And, and I think he has more than one. His QB rating is a 140. So it's not great. Can you lean on Devin Leary? Or can you re- trust Devin Leary to win this game? When it gets down to the wire, because that's really where we're going to get into the way that Georgia has played defense this year has been kind of a reversal of what they've been the last two seasons. That front four is not what Georgia was the past two years. They're they're just not nearly as good. And so you saw it against Auburn. They were able to run in that game. And yes, Peyton Thorne did it with his legs. That's not to say Devin Leary can't run. I mean, he showed the ability to at NC State. Hasn't really this year. But I think that Kentucky's offensive line will be able to move Georgia a little bit. And Ray Davis will be able to find some creases and take it, you know, get some explosive plays. This offense is fourth in the country in explosive plays. I've talked about this already. I think it was on a different picks episode. Might have been last week's. This Kentucky offense can get the explosive play. The problem is their success rate is not good. They're not good at at, at chunking the field, right? And that's the big issue. If they're solely relying on the explosive plays, are they going to be able to win this football game? It's going to be tough because on the flip side, the Kentucky pass defense isn't all that great. The Georgia run offense isn't great either. So you you get the strength on the weakness with, with Georgia. Georgia has passed the ball better this season with Carson Beckett, quarterback. I thought he played really well against Auburn. Obviously, having Brock Bowers helps. I mean, some of those catches he made were ridiculous. So the Georgia pass offense will be able to take advantage of this Kentucky secondary that's not great. But if they're so one-dimensional that Kentucky knows the pass is coming every single time and they're able to dominate the front with just their four guys and maybe an extra backer, I don't know. I kind of feel like Kentucky will be able to stick in this thing. Um, and with the number at fourteen and a half, I'm going to take Kentucky to cover. I don't think they went outright, but fourteen and a half is a little bit too much for me with the way this Georgia team has been playing. And yes, this could absolutely, absolutely be a spot where Georgia's like, turn it on, wake up game. Here we go. We're at home after a close road game. Boom, we're here. You get Kentucky off of an emotional home win and. I don't know if it was really all that emotional because they just dominated from the jump. It wasn't like they really had to exert much. They were just really good the entire game. Um, I'm going to go with Kentucky here. Don't love the you know Georgia as a as a two touchdown plus favorite. I think Kentucky can keep it within that number. Um, so I'm I'm interested to see how those matchups you know play out on the football field. Ray Davis, man, he he's the X factor in the sense that if he can get going. Kentucky might be able to win this game. Devin Leary is the game that this hinges on. Because if Ray Davis isn't able to get going, you have to be able to throw the football. And I just don't know if, if Devin Leary is the guy that can get that done. And if he's not, Georgia could have some short fields because of turnovers, put some points on, and all of a sudden this is a 17-point game. You can even see it explode to 20 where it's like you know 27-7. to 7. It's, not, it's not some insane score, but Georgia's defense did enough, and the offense scored enough points, and they cover pretty easily. We'll see. The next game, the nightcap, the seven thirty, third straight primetime game for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. The number 10 ranks Notre Dame Fighting Irish, laying six in a hook on the road, taking on number 25 Louisville and the Jeff Brom-led Cardinals. Um, there's, There's a lot to unpack in this game. Bobby's going with Louisville. Mike's going with Notre Dame. What will I do? Will I will I will I lean the Irish again for the third straight week, or will I switch it up and go with the Louisville team who was undefeated five and zero? I'm going to go with Notre Dame. Give me Notre Dame minus six and a half to win this game pretty comfortably. And I know I said that about the Duke game. Duke played phenomenally. It, 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 they were down thirteen nothing at halftime. I said that that Notre Dame could win by two scores. They were down. at halftime, but that was because Duke's defense bucked up in the red zone and stopped Notre Dame from scoring touchdowns and and, and turned them into field goals, and that was how they were able to stay in that game. That's the old adage, Sevens more than three. If you're getting touchdowns, if you're getting field goals instead of touchdowns, there's there's really no way that you you can break away from a game, right? Because you get five field goals, all of a sudden, uh, uh, the other team with two touchdowns can tie the football, can tie the ball game. Why do I like Notre Dame in this game? To be quite honest with you, it's because I don't like Louisville. Um, I don't trust Jack Plummer, our quarterback. He was awful at Purdue. Literally got benched in the Notre Dame game because he was so bad last year or two years ago for Aiden O'Connell in a game that Marcus Freeman was the defensive coordinator for Notre Dame. Aiden O'Connell ripped apart that, that Notre Dame defense. Jack Plummer looked inept. Goes to Cal, looks okay. But here are Jack Palmer's numbers on the season. 1,400 yards passing, 65.5%, or 65% completion percentage, 11 touchdowns, 6 picks. So it's basically a 2-to-1 touchdown-interception ratio. He's taking nine sacks so far this season. They don't throw the ball particularly well. You do got to watch out for Jamari Thrash, um, who has five of those touchdowns, has an 85-yard score as well. What they really do is run the ball and run it well. Jahar Jordan has been an animal this season, kind of like in that Ray Davis territory. 66 carries, 7.7 a pop for 5'10. Has six touchdowns through five games. The problem is they haven't played anybody like Louisville's schedule. I'll, I'll, I'll run through it real, real quick. They beat Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech, who lost to Bowling Green, 39-34. The Murray State FCS team, 56-0. Beat Indiana. Akron took them to the to overtime, 21-14. Beat an awful Boston College team, 56-28. And I know Boston College played Florida State tough. The, the spot wasn't great for Florida State, and it was the red bandana game. So context matters. And then against NC State last week, 13-10. Could not run the football. And that's really what they're going to have to do against this, against this Notre Dame defense. Everything I said about the Notre Dame defense remains true after the Duke game. Benjamin Morrison, Cam Hart locked up. They, they were awesome. They were, Devin or uh, Riley Leonard had to beat them with, the, with his legs, and, and credit to him, he did. But they weren't able to throw the football. And, and that is a testament to that, that Notre Dame secondary that week after week after week has played like the best secondary in all of college football. Louisville is not going to be able to throw the football, but they're not going to be able to run it either. They're not physical enough up front. To beat this Notre Dame defense, they're just not. I don't believe in them to do so. So far this season, um, Notre Dame's defense. Let me find it real quick. Um. Okay, ESPN. What are we doing? I, I hate ESPN stats. This is this is just. Where are the defensive stats? Oh my God, ESPN does their stats piss poor um i was i was trying to find notre name's um average yards uh, against a game rushing yards against a game can't find them but howard cross is playing he's there he's their nose tackle he's playing at an nfl caliber level um these past two weeks he's been a huge disruptor um just unbelievable player so far has two forced fumbles so far this season obviously got alert uh you got to worry about JT or J.D. Bertrand and Jack Kaiser at linebacker. Like, I don't think that this Louisville team and Jahar Jordan are going to be able to get going against this defense. I just don't think it's possible. Um, and on the flip side, this Notre Dame offense, it, it struggled to figure it out in the past two weeks, and, and a lot of that is because their outside wide receivers haven't been able to make plays. Well, last week, um, the two top guys were out in uh, Jaden Thomas and in. in Jaden Greathouse. They get those guys back this week. The emergence of Rico Flores played really well down the stretch in that in that last drive. Um and obviously you talk about Audric Castame. They still have Jeremiah Love and and Jabron Payne, some guys who um can sub in and, and and Jeremiah Love can can take it the distance any given play. Audric Estime is without question one of the best running backs in college football averaging 7 a carry, 7 touchdowns. His his seal his game-winning touchdown in in the Duke game was was special um the patience the burst the breakaway speed all of it was just beautiful Mitchell Evans has been one of the best tight ends in the country um you know him and Jatavion Sanders have been you know the two best Chris Tyree has been awesome too so you get you get the two wide receivers back two of your three best wide receivers back Rico Flores has been playing well um I think this this Notre Dame defense or Notre Dame offense against the Louisville defense is going to cause trouble for the Cardinals. And so that leans me to take Notre Dame to win this thing by 17 points. I think they win 34 to 17. Give me the Irish. Okay, we're getting to the locks now. So Mike is going with the Ohio Bobcats, minus 26 points at home on the Frank Frank Schultz field at Peden Stadium against Kent State. Now, Kent State is probably the worst team in the country. They rank dead last in points per game allowed, uh, or in points per game offensively in yards per game offensively. They're bottom uh, 20 in defensive points per game allowed and defensive yards allowed. So this could be a bloodbath. I would also take the Kent State under. This Ohio defense is second in the country in uh, defensive EPA per play. Just phenomenal at at shutting teams down. They are also great at... um, field position battle they don't allow teams on average are starting at the 30 yard line against ohio and they basically don't let the team even cross to their own 40 yard line half the time so just a phenomenal defense ohio um can they win by 26 i don't know that offense has been has, has left a lot to be desired But they have have been able to get some defensive touchdowns. If you get that, this number's a lot easier to hit. So we'll see about that. Bobby's going with Iowa minus two and a half against Purdue. Um, I don't think he realizes that Cade McNamara's out. They're starting a backup quarterback. Um, What's his name? I don't remember quite. Uh, All I remember is that he's a transfer from Wisconsin. Big dude, statue, does not move well. Uh, Haven't ran the ball well. Iowa hasn't. Uh, The defense has played well. But I don't... Uh, You know, I just think Purdue's going to be able to win this game. And and Purdue usually beats Iowa. So, uh, this felt like a curious pick from him. I'm going with Colorado on the road there. Four-point favorites against Arizona State. You know, this could be a game that comes back to bite me. I think Colorado's more talented at the skill positions than Arizona State. I don't know if Arizona State's quite got the dudes on the defensive line um, to take advantage of the weak spot that is the... um, that is the Colorado offensive line. Yeah, I, I just, to me, yeah, I, I think it's pretty, it's, it's almost as simple as that, right? Um, you got Shadur Sanders playing really well and you got, uh, Omarion Miller, uh, playing fantastically last week. Cormonti McClain played really well. Uh, I think you get Xavier Weaver back this week. Um, still no Travis Hunter. So I think that could be, uh, a, a good pick. I need one after Washington let me down last week. Underdog. Mike's going with Bowling green plus nine and a half at Miami. This was at a 10 when he originally picked it. It did drop a half point. I, you know what? Let me, let me check live just to make sure that, that game it did not go back up to 10. Cause I would feel really bad if it did. And Mike wasn't able to get the two point, uh, the two point swing there. It is still at nine and a half. So unfortunately Mike does not get the, the three point swing. Excuse me. Um, Bobby's going with Syracuse, plus 9.5 against North Carolina. That game was at 8 earlier, so let me double-check um, to make sure that that game did not move up to 10, and I'm robbing him of 3 points. No, it's still at 9.5, so so both those guys are literally as close to a 3-point uh, dog as you can get. Me, I'm going with Rutgers, plus 13 at Wisconsin. Wisconsin hasn't looked great. Rutgers is kind of a shiesty team. Uh, I don't know if they win the game outright, But I think they keep it within the thirteen, and I can at least pick up a point. I I just desperately need a point. Um, And and I think Greg Schiano is a good enough coach where if this thing's if this thing's close late in the game, we could see a Rutgers upset and a win, and I I walk away with three points. I really like the number in this game. It was at fourteen and a half at one point. Um, I was hoping to get it at that, but unfortunately was not able. Did not stay. So uh, unfortunate there. But we move NFL Week Four action. Uh, or week five, action, I believe. Yes, because it's week six college football, week five of the NFL. Um, last week I was three and three, and Michael and Bobby were one and five. Not particularly good. Uh, I'm 14, 9 and one on the season. Bobby is 10, 13 and one, and Mike is 13, 9 and two. First game, the London game this week, 9 30 kick, East Coast time. Jags versus Bills. Jags staying. The week in London, they are playing at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium this week. The Bills are laying five and a hook in this one. Mike's going with the Bills, and I, rightly so. Bobby's going with the Jags. He thinks that week uh, that that extra week in London is is going to help them. Um, I'm just going to pick the Jags because I'm a Jags guy. The Bills are playing some of the best football in the NFL right now, and, and I do think that. Um, I think that could cause an issue for a Jags team that hasn't clicked on all cylinders in any single game this season. I think this is uh, I think this has the makings for a Bills you know thirteen fourteen point win, but the Jags really do need this one. They're two and two right now. If they fall to two and three, a, a little over a quarter of the way through the season, that's rough. It, 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 and in their division, they might be okay, but you don't want to get the eight, behind the eight ball too early. Trevor Lawrence has played like insanely well this season. The wide receivers have just not done him any favors. Haven't been able to run the ball that consistently. Meanwhile, on the Bills side, they've been able to figure out everything. They can run the football now. They hit the intermediate passing game. They can still push the ball down the field. We saw it uh, against the Dolphins. Gabe Davis and Stephon Diggs down the field killed that Dolphins defense. In the weeks prior, it was Dalton Kikade, Dawson Knox in that intermediate game, and James Cook You know, running for about 95 a game at this point. You really got to watch out. Um, and the Bills defense is playing at a completely another level right now. So that's an interesting one. Really excited to see that one at 930, uh, but I'm not feeling great about that one. And a little AFC North matchup, the Ravens minus four and a half on the road taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Listen, this Steelers offense is not good. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It is one of the worst in, it might be the worst in the league. Oh, no, no, no. The Bears exist, okay? It's the second worst in the league. Mike's going with the Ravens because of it. Bobby's going with the Steelers. I don't... AFC North, he threw out the records, right, with this matchup. That's what you always hear. I'm going to go with the Ravens as well. To me, the way Lamar Jackson has been playing... It's reminiscent of 2019, and he might even be throwing the football a little bit better than that. Um, This Pittsburgh off or defense has allowed their opposing number one receivers to absolutely explode uh, in terms of production. So, Zay Flowers could have a huge game this week. Hopefully, they get Rashad uh, Bateman back healthy. Um, OBJ has, you know, has been dinged up as well. Mark Andrews last week proved that he is still. Or show showed why he is still considered one of the top tight ends in the league. Fantastic outing for him against the Browns, and that Ravens defense—it it just is playing really well this season. Like, I mean, outside of the Colts game, and the Colts game wasn't even bad. It, they've been, you know, one of the better defenses in the NFL, probably top ten, um, if I do, if I would say so myself. And they're going up against a Matt Canada-led offense with Kenny Pickett at quarterback. With uh, you know, a, a better run game than I thought. Najee's not not doing too bad this year, um, and I think that a little bit, a little bit of that is the offensive line gelling a little bit more. But I just don't think that this offense is going to be able to move the ball against this defense that flies around and is really versatile and 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 is it it shows different looks and gives you you know pre snap post-snap, different, uh, different coverages, and I think it's really going to mess with Kenny. It's really going to mess with Matt Canada. Mike McDonald has been one of the best defensive coordinators this season. So give me the Ravens in this one to win uh, pretty comfortably, i say, by 10 points. Um, Eagles minus four and a half at the Rams. Um yeah, this is a tough one. Mike's going to go with the Eagles. Bobby's also going to go with the Eagles. I'm going to go with the Rams. I, I, I don't love how the Eagles have been playing this season. They are uh four and a half point favorites by the way, the Eagles are. Um, I just don't love it. Yeah. The, the last week against the, um, commanders showed a lot of the deficiencies they've had, they have on the defensive side of the ball. It really highlighted them because you saw it with Mac Jones doing what he did. Kirk cousins tore apart that secondary as well. Um, Baker was really the only quarterback that struggled, and, and that game just kind of felt a little off the Monday night game. Meanwhile, the Rams passing game has been phenomenal with uh, Tutu Atwell, Pukunakua, uh, Tyler Higbee's playing well, and guess who might be back this week? Cooper Cup. If you have to defend all three of those guys on top of Tyler Higbee in the, um, the play-action boot rollout game, the flat, getting, get him going, I just don't... I don't know... <laughs> I don't know if the Rams win this game. They are at home. I don't know if they win it, but I just feel very comfortable, especially with how Kyron Williams is playing. I feel very comfortable with their ability to keep this game close, lose it by three. You know what? Screw it. Give me the Rams to win this game outright. I I think that they've been playing really well. Defensively, they're still young on the back end, and you've seen that show up in a couple of the games. But Aaron Donald is playing at an all-pro level, like he has been. And it's freed up some other guys. Byron Young's been playing well, too. Um, so so give me the Rams to win this game outright. I just feel really confident in this spot. Chiefs laying three and a half on the road, taking on the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, I this number doesn't make a ton of sense because it, it's been dropping a lot. And so it makes you think the sharps are on this game. I just don't know if I trust this Vikings defense to get it done like, they haven't, like, last week they looked fine because it was Bryce Young. But this Chiefs offense is a lot better than than, than that Panthers offense. And I know people might say, well, the, the receivers haven't looked great, you know, outside of Travis Kelsey. They really haven't been able to get much going. Yeah, but it's still the Chiefs, right? Isaiah Pacheco ran the ball really well last week. They've been able to get running backs involved in the passing game as well. I don't trust the Vikings defense. Mike's the only one going with the Vikings in this game. Give me the Chiefs minus three and a half. I think they're able to win this game pretty comfortably. And start the season out 4-1. and one. Meanwhile, the Vikings drop to 1-4. And, and, and maybe it's another one-score game. Maybe they lose by 6. But I'm going to take the Vikings to win by, um, let's say, 11-24-13. Um, nah, the Vikings defense has been or offense has been playing well. Let's say 28-17. Even though, yeah. We're going to say 28-17. I don't love it because I feel like the Chiefs offense is going to have to kick a few more field goals than that. Because they haven't been great in the red zone, which is kind of... Uncharacteristic of an Andy Reid-led Chiefs team, but that Chiefs defense has been playing well. Chris Jones obviously has been phenomenal. George Karloff has played really well. They find they just find these Trent McDuffie's playing as a, a, a about as an elite corner, um, and they find you know these these guys in the late rounds these corners to play number two. They did it with Lejarius Sneed. Um, did it with oh, I forget the other guy's name. Uh, I want to do this to myself sometimes. No, but I I like the Chiefs in this one. The Vikings haven't been able to run the ball well outside of last week. I don't I don't trust Alexander Madison to do it again, so give me the Chiefs um, to win this game. The best game of the week, and it's not particularly close. Sunday night football. Cowboys at 49ers. 49ers, four-point favorites uh, in this one, and it basically that means if this was a neutral site, it would be, you know, one, one and a half, maybe two points uh, in favor of the 49ers. It, it, like, this is about as even of a matchup as you can get. Bobby's going with the Cowboys. Mike's going with the 49ers. I don't know what I'm going to do, man. I, I, this is this is a tough one because I think that both of these teams are elite this year. Um, I have them at one and three, respectively, in my power rankings, in my top in my NFL top 10. It's... I'm going to go with the 49ers to cover the four. I don't love it because I can very well see this game ending, uh, you know, Cowboys lose by three or win this game outright. But I just, right now, I trust what the 49ers have been able to do consistently on the offensive side of the ball, whereas the Cowboys have had moments, obviously, the entirety of the Cardinals game, but have had moments in the other games where the offense hasn't necessarily clicked. And you can't do that against the San Francisco 49er defense. So I'm going to take the 49ers to win this game. I do think that the Cowboys defense could cause some problems for the 49ers offense simply because of how athletic they are. Obviously, losing Trayvon Diggs a couple weeks ago does not help in this game. Um, But you you need everybody to step up. And Dan Quinn against Kyle Shanahan. Like, they, they know each other really well. And... And... I'm being on that 2017 Falcon staff together, Dan Quinn, the head coach, Kyle Shanahan, the offensive coordinator, the, um, the flip, the script, the script is flipped. I almost said the flip to script for a second. Um, so yeah, I like, I like the 49ers to win this game. I don't, my confidence level for a lot of these games outside of, um, Rams and, and chiefs is not high simply with the Ravens and Steelers. It's simply because it's an AFC North game. Um, the same thing with college football. I, I haven't felt great about these picks this week. Normally, I just pick with my gut, and I feel pretty good. This week was a little bit tougher. Um, I had to think about it a little bit more. Locks. Mike is going with the Browns to come out of their bye without marshalling the tee. Um He said that was about a minus 10,000 or minus 100,000 probability of happening. So, great job, Mike. You hit it. You won. You got a lock. No, but he picked the uh, Dolphins um, as 11-point favorites at home against the Giants. Like, this is... You know, it's not a bad spot. The Giants um, coming off of another embarrassing loss, but the Dolphins also coming off of an embarrassing loss. Coming back home, Giants are on the road after, you know, losing to the Seahawks 24-3. to They looked pretty good, and it looked pretty good. They looked okay in their road game um, in Week 2, but this Dolphins team is elite, The off or this Dolphins offense is elite, and it's going to be tough to stop them if you're the Giants. That offense hasn't been able to move the ball. It's as, as simple as that. They they might have Saquon back this week, which could help, but yeah, I just uh I don't know about that one. Um okay, so Bobby Bobby's lock, I have to double check. He has it one point. Oh my gosh, the Bears are already up 10 0 on the commanders. I almost took the Bears as uh as my dog this week, but I did not. Um okay, so that Saints Patriots game is even. I don't we've never been in this situation before. Because he's not here. And when he picked it, the line. You know what? I'm just going to give him Patriots minus one. We'll roll with it. Um, I don't know. If, I don't know how I feel about this one because the Patriots haven't looked great. The Saints haven't looked great. I think it's just going to be a really ugly football game. Whoever gets a defensive touchdown is going to win a defensive or special teams touchdown um, is going to win this game. I kind of to I kind of like the Patriots in this spot just because they're a better defense than I think the Saints are. Um, but I'm not going to trust McCorkle Jones and I'm not going to trust Derek Carr. It's just, it's just not a good game. This is not a good game. Not at all. Um, I'm going to take the lions minus 10. And, and there's a reason why I did this. Cause originally I was going to take the Packers. They're now dogs. I think they opened as a three and a half point favorite. They're now underdogs against the Raiders. Um, so I'm gonna take the lions minus 10 at home against the Panthers team. That has not looked good at all this season. Um, Every single game, I think they've lost by uh, more than ten points. Let me double check that before I no no because the um, week one right week one they no week one they lost by fourteen to the Falcons. It was week two against the Saints that they lost by three, um, and then the Andy Dalton game in week in week three that they lost by ten to the Seahawks. I just oh and they only lost by eight to the Vikings. I thought that was more. Mm-hmm. The Vikings cannot they're forced to play in one-score games. They just are. But this Lions team has been playing at an elite level um, after after that Seahawks game. The, the defense has been phenomenal. And, and with Bryce Young as a rookie quarterback, I think the AG, the way that he calls his defense, it makes it hard for quarterbacks to, um, to deal with if you're not an experienced guy. Like It's not a Vangio defense where you're going to have a lot of underneath stuff open. He's aggressive. A.G. blitzes a lot. He likes to get after the quarterback. He likes to show you different looks. Likes to bring linebackers off the edge. So I think the Lions are able to win this pretty comfortably because they have another great defensive performance. The offense scores 23 points. They only give up, you know, six or seven um, defensively, and and it's kind of a a mirror image of the Atlanta Falcons game. Underdogs. Mike's going to go with the Texans plus one and a half at the Falcons. This is a good pick. This is a good pick. I, yeah, I I think the way the Texans have been playing, it's kind of inspired football. And the Falcons are really losing two in a row, coming off of a little bit of an ugly loss last week. Maybe it's a bounce-back game, but the Texans have just played well. Like, just really good, cohesive, complimentary football. I just kind of love it, you know? D'Amico Ryans was a fantastic hire. I, I saw it coming. A lot of people saw it coming. He was awesome excuse me, as a defensive coordinator for the 49ers last year. So it's good to see him having success early on with the Texans. This team, this team is kind of shysty. Uh, Bobby's going with the Colts, plus two and a half at home, taking the home dog. I like this, man. I, I just think that Anthony Richardson is is an exciting player. He seems to have, I don't know, he seems to kind of have that clutch gene about him. Like, he, he just gets it done when you need him to. Um. So, and, and I'm going to be honest with you, I don't trust Ryan Tannehill. He played well last week against the Bengals. Can he do it two weeks in a row? Not sure. Jonathan Taylor back for the for the Colts is also huge. I'm hoping he gets a bunch of carries. Um it's also going to help alleviate the pressure on Anthony Richardson. You can run a lot more zone stuff because when you run zone read with an elite with an elite athleticism quarterback in Anthony Richardson and one of the U.S. running backs in the NFL in Jonathan Taylor, you have to pick them two like who's going to beat you? Um so I like that element getting added to their offense this week. I'm going with the Packers, like I mentioned, who are now dogs against the Raiders. I don't understand this at all. I think the Packers are a much better team than the Raiders. Um, I don't think them going on the road really has much to do with... Th- this is the Monday night football game. Um, so so they get 11 days rest to prepare for the Raiders. The Raiders were not great against the Chargers. Um, that offensive line was awful. And the Packers have guys, Sean Gary... Um, that can get after the quarterback, and, and I think that they're. I think everybody's healthy now for the Packers. So, and, and Matt Lafleur has his offense played really well in the second half against the Lions. And I, to me, it's just is, it. This doesn't make any sense. The Sharps must be putting putting a lot of money on the Raiders because this line movement is is kind of crazy. Let me look at the Packers injury report real quick. Because this doesn't make any sense, and I haven't, I haven't checked this out. Um, college football needs this, by the way. Um, Jair was limited participation. Devondre Campbell was do not partic- or did not participate. Elton Jenkins was limited participation. Aaron Jones, limited participation. Luke Musgrave, full participation. John Runyon was a DNP. Eric Stokes, limited participation. Zach Tom, limited participation. Christian Watson was a limited participation as well. Uh, Carrington Valentine was a full participation. Devontae was not, was a DMP. Max Crosby was a limited. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was limited. So it looks like Garoppolo will be back this week. Um, I don't know, man. None of this makes sense to me. Just absolutely none of it makes sense to me. I don't know why the line's moving the way it is. Uh, Unless Matt LaFleur died and got COVID. Or not got COVID, but just died. Um, I'm trying to figure this out on the fly. Yeah, just does not make any sense. So I'm going to go with the Packers. I feel really confident to finally get my first win, or that would be my second win, because I'm 1-2 and 1 right now. That is the pick show. Thank you guys so much for watching. Hope you enjoyed. Catch you on the flip. See ya.